Hello and welcome to Weird Careers. I'm your host, E.T. All over the world, people have jobs, and some of those jobs we don't even know exist. There are jobs we don't know a lot about, and there are jobs that we just don't talk about. Well, I'm here to explore all of the above on this podcast. I will be interviewing people from all over the world about their strange and interesting career choices. Everything from specialized retail to sex work. Did I mention that this show is NSFW? Throughout the course of this show, we will take a deep dive into each of these professions. Think you or someone you know has a cool or interesting job? Shoot us an email at eric at cardinalimages.ca. This podcast is brought to you by Cardinal Images. Want your small business looking great online at an affordable price? Email cardinalimages at eric at cardinalimages.ca for your personalized quote. Cardinal Images, superior quality, affordable pricing, and personable photography. On today's show, we have Kathleen Marsman, who is a patent agent from Ottawa, Ontario. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Thank you. Great to have you on. Um, so before we get into, you know, no, no spoilers, um, in a nutshell, what is it that you do? Well, a patent agent doesn't say much, does it? It's um, I am uh, a representative of inventors in Canada mostly, but the inventors might be worldwide and I'm the one that helps them get a patent with the government office. Sometimes that means I have to write the patent myself with them um, sort of coaching me along telling me about their invention, or I'm ushering the patent through the Canadian patent office for an inventor who's already invented something in another country of the world. So, yeah. All right. And we are definitely going to get into details about everything that you just said there, because to the average Joe, that is a lot of jibber jabber. (laughs) (laughs) So we can back up. What's a patent? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What we had, let, let it, let it, let's do that. Let's back up a little bit. What is a patent define a patent? Well, a a patent is a right that is granted by a government. And pretty much every government in the world, federal governments, give inventors this right. If you you invent something and you want to stop others from doing it for 20 years, so all patents have a 20-year term, um, you can file a patent application and then convince the government that it's unique in the world, that nobody's ever done this before and that you deserve the chance to stop other people from doing it because you're the original inventor. And in order to do that, you need somebody like myself who can navigate the government system, help you write the patent document, which is usually, it's like a long essay. Most of mine are maybe from 40 to 100 pages long, talking about all the options for this particular invention and doing drawings and, you know, saying what it could be. And uh, so I write that document and then I argue with the government as to why the inventor should have this exclusive right. So in the end, a a patent is kind of a piece of paper that in the the end of the day, you can stop people from uh, using your invention if you enforce your piece of paper. Oh, wow. You know, the the ability to be able to argue with the government every day. I mean, people (laughs) people would just dive at a chance like that. Well, we always have to, we don't always have to argue in writing, but for the most part, we're putting our, our best foot forward in a written submission. There are times when we actually get to call them, which is good fun as well. Interviews with the patent examiners. (laughs) 
So that's how, the government how, side of things is the patent examiner is on the government side. Okay. And we're the advocates for the, uh, for the inventor. So often most of us are with law firms or a patent firm, sort of a private company. Um, but some of us work for government or um, industries, and universities. And which one of those do you work for? I am with a law firm, Canada, one of Canada's biggest law firms called Borden, Ladner, Gervais. So it's uh, got uh, offices across Canada, and I've been here since 1999, Eric. Ooh! Yes. <laughs> That's 22 years, yeah? It is, so. Is yeah. right? Wow. 22 years here. I can, That's a I, good place to be. I would say, yeah, you must see some pretty interesting things, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, how, now, how did you get into this industry? Well, you know, nobody really knows about patent agency. And certainly when I was in university, I didn't know about it either. So I studied, I, I was sort of uh, scholastically inclined. I was bookish, let's just say. So, you know, some, some people want to explore the world and, you know, travel and whatnot. I was just really interested in working in the lab. And I, was, I studied biochemistry and I was really interested in lots of uh, different areas. I ended up studying nutrition sort of from a medical perspective. But then when I finished graduate school, so I went and did a master's and then I did a PhD. And at that time, when I graduated, there weren't a lot of jobs. So you'd think, oh, you've got a PhD, you can get a job. And no, it wasn't that easy. And, and really, even these days, it still isn't. So a friend of mine from high school who was an engineer was working in Toronto as a patent agent with another big law firm. And he got that job sort of by chance as well. It's not like he trained for it. There's no path to train for it in university. So even if you went to law school, you don't come out a patent agent. And they need people in all the different backgrounds. Some of my colleagues are in math and physics and engineering and, and uh, biologies and chemistries, you name it. Um, and so the only way to break in is to find your first job called patent agent trainee. And you're basically an apprentice for a few years. So you apprentice under another patent agent. You learn the ropes. And then you write some exams to get through some qualifying exams, which are torture. And then <laughs> you're... Minted as a patent agent. <laughs> That's yeah, so yeah. it was truly a stroke of luck, a, a stroke of luck that I found my first job in Ottawa when I was a, a starving student. <laughs> so I, I can't go on to, you know, ontariocolleges.ca and look up, you know, I can't look up a patent program. It's just kind of, you know, I go through law school and, hey, this job popped up. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I'll throw my application in it's, it's just like that, in fact. And wow. I see that a lot of the, the people that come through the law school, they have a technical background. So they might have an undergrad in engineering or an undergrad in chemistry. And then they never really liked that when they were in school. So they said, I want to go to law school. I, you know, just sort of discovering what's out there. Many of them do know about patent agency because maybe some of them worked in a lab and, mm -hmm. and had an invention themselves and were exposed to it that way. But a lot of people don't really know about it, but we have had some really great patent agents come in through the law school, but they have to find us and they have to get that apprenticeship job. And uh, that's uh, sort of their entree. So can you put an ad on like Craigslist or like Indeed or something, or like how, how, did, how would something, how would a law firm like yours, you know, look for somebody who's you know, for this kind of job? Yeah, we do post on our website when it's available. And sometimes we would um, 
put an ad in what's called the Intellectual Property Institute of Canada, which sounds very stodgy. That is quite the mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) And they have a bulletin board to post. So for the most part, we would hire one person every year at the most, you know, so big law firm hires maybe one or two people for this position. I'd say across Canada, there's maybe, there's certainly a lot of patent agents who have the credential but working patent agents who are doing this as their job, like me, I'd say there's about 300 of us. Oh, wow. At, at most, yeah. And, uh, you know, if they're long in the tooth like me, they've been in the profession for a while. So new people getting into the profession, I'd say there's about maybe 20 people each year that pass the exams. Wow. Maybe 40, 20 or 40 each year that pass the exams. Oh, there's, so there's yeah. really not very many of you out there. No, no, there's not. Um, but I think that'll change over time. You know, it's it's just because it was sort of a, a profession that was little known. And this concept of getting in through an apprenticeship only, that made the profession like limiting itself. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes the trades in Ontario, at least I know that some of the trades like bricklayer or something like that, they um, you have to get in through an apprenticeship as well. Yeah, And so even if you go and you study in, in certain trades, plumbing might be an example of one, that you still have to get that apprenticeship at the end. Actually, I think I heard something about that changing um, because you can see how limiting that would be, right? For mm-hmm. people that want to get in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it changes well, over te- time. And with technology now being so vast, technology can change anything. I mean, I could you know, take, take my coffee mug here, for example, and slap some technology on it and come to you and be like, Hey, (laughs) here's my idea, which kind of leads into our next question. Um, so if I had an idea for invention, let's take the coffee mug, for example, let's say I want to make it so I can, Oh, for, for the people who are just listening, which everybody is listening right now, I've got a, just a plain coffee mug. And let's just say we want to put a graphic on it that can change via a an app on my phone Hmm. let's say from the process from application to obtaining that patent walk us through it okay well the first thing you do is call your friendly neighborhood patent agent (laughs) (laughs) which would be you the phone and, (laughs) and talk a little bit about that and for something like what you say because there's a graphic component to it you'd have to determine well is this patent eligible you know, okay. I think the electronics would probably save it, but other things can be trademarked or mm-hmm. copywritten. Those are other types of intellectual property. But All if right. you determine I'm, I'm that... I'm going to hit pause right there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but a couple other terms came up and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize there's a difference. Yeah. So I just, just, just because I have ADHD and if I don't say something, I will absolutely forget it. Um, just like right now. So there's, cop- there's patents. There's yes. copyrights, there's trademarks. Yeah. What are the differences between each? Well, I guess for the, those categories, uh, patents are for inventions. Okay. Um, in, inventions are generally uh, machines or processes, things that do stuff. Um, trademarks are for words, words that are not oh. known words. So um, like a slogan okay. or something like a, a, not even a slogan, but. You make up a new word. Um, so like Quidditch, for example. Yes, yes. That that could have been, back in the day, um, <laughs> a, a trademark term. Well, now um, we know muggle is actually in the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> as soon as a word goes into common use as a known and accepted word, 
it's out of the realm of uh, trademark. So okay. a favorite is uh, Kleenex brand tissues. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Kleenex, Kleenex doesn't mean anything, right? Kleenex is not a descriptive word. It's not, mm-hmm. it's sort of become a bit of a descriptive word because everybody says, oh, give me a, a Kleenex. But they, mm-hmm. they really mean a tissue. So yes. Kleenex is the brand yep. of tissues. And the word itself doesn't mean anything. So you kind of make up a word that has no real meaning mm-hmm. and you attach it to a product and then you can trademark that term oh. and protect it against other people using it. And okay. then people see your your you know, goods and services in the shopper's drug mart, they'll go and they'll you know identify the brand uh, with that trademark. Yeah, so I remember for, the slogan changing. You know, uh-huh. it was, oh, with, not, I remember that with Band-Aid. Ah, interesting. I'm, you know, they used to be able to say, you know, I am stuck on Band Aid because Band Aid stuck on me, (laughs) and then they had to change it to I am stuck on Band Aid brand because Band Aid stuck on me. Brand, there you go. That's exactly right. The brand in there. Yes, as soon as it goes from adjective to noun, you're in trouble if you don't defend your own trademark as sort of an (laughs) adjective. You know, something brand. Um, so that's that's trademark and copyright is mm-hmm. if you wrote a book, wrote a poem, uh, painted something, reproduced it uh, massively, you know, so that you have um, it's a, it's a work of art, really, uh, or okay. a literary work of art, that sort of thing. Okay. So generally, copyright is literary, mm-hmm. and um, copyright is also inherent. You don't have to go and register it. So if I write um, a book. Um, okay. The, the fact that I wrote it means that the copyright rests with me, whether I register that or not. So oh, there's cool. um, not a lot of uh, kerfuffle around um, registering your copyright. You pay your fee, you say what it's for, and then you've got the copyright is inherent in that number. Um, but with inventions and patents, it's a little bit more complicated. All um, right. And, and so, uh, well, there's also industrial designs. I might as well be thorough. There's another category. Let's and it's kind thorough. of a fun category. Because when you talk about coffee mugs, say that you um, designed the handle in a specific way so that it had like little spikes coming off it, just sort of decorative, you know, something like that. Um, then oh, that's decorative. Yes. Yeah. I don't think you'd want to grab the handle and say, ah, hands off my coffee. <laughs> in fact, you know, protective spikes could be a functional feature of uh, Ooh, a don't steal my coffee. <laughs> We might be onto something, Kathleen. Uh, yeah, have this like, <laughs> pop out. Oh, this is it. Like facial recognition and that little uh, electronics that's on the front of the coffee mug. It's not you. The little spikes come out on the Ooh, inside. Oh, I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely an invention. Ooh, I'm going to write that invention. down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've publicly disclosed it, Eric, we only have a year. <laughs> All right. We better get on this then. <laughs> so let's go back to our coffee mug. So we've, I, I've, I have said to you, okay, this is my idea. I want to put this graphic that I can change via Bluetooth on my phone. And what, what's our next step? I've, I've called you. I've called my friendly neighborhood patent agent. Now what? Well, I would um, suggest that we would do a patent search, patentability search. And okay. the way we do that is we go to these uh, databases that are extremely thorough. They're all free online. The U.S. Patent Office has a database of inventions, sort mm-hmm. of the Canadian one. And there's world, um, uh, all over the world, you can search oh, uh, patent databases <laughs> by keywords, which is really fun. Sometimes if you're, you know, really... 
kind of looking for a way to kill time, <laughs> go to those databases, put in the, the craziest two keywords that you think don't go together. Like uh, uh, one of the classic ones that patent agents think are so hilarious is coffin alarm, you know? Like oh my God. <laughs> and this was a big inventive category back in the day, you know? Oh my Patents God. have been around for more than a hundred years. So people are a little bit worried that if they died and got buried and then they woke up again, that they'd need to have a way to ring the alarm. So there is a whole art class of coffin alarms. Oh, but, that's uh, hilarious. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's kind of fun to look, but we would look for the coffee mug art and we would mm -hmm. look for graphics and electronics that um, relate to that. So every invention that's ever been patented falls into a hierarchical class of inventions. Word so, of the day. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're all these classifications are determined by international standards. So something relating to vaccine technology has its categories and subcategories. Okay. Something related to cannabis and cannabinoids falls into its own categories. Uh, okay. And coffee mugs would have their own category. And then, so you'd search for something. Has anybody ever patented this before? And you would probably find within an hour of searching whether um, you're in a busy class, a busy classification or not. And um, from there, you could make a decision. Do I want to spend the money and, and go ahead uh, and, and pursue a patent? Mm -hmm. Or do I just want to let it go? And, and, you know, you could still go into mass production without a patent. And that's what I think a lot of people think, you know, the first step is to absolutely have a patent because you don't want anybody copying you. Mm -hmm. But um, in fact, some people spend almost, you know, their entire budget mm -hmm. on getting this type of protection. And then they're like, well, people will come and approach me now that I have a patent, right? And the answer is no, no. You have to champion really? your own invention even still. Oh, so no. a lot of my inventors, I say that's a great idea. Patenting wouldn't probably wouldn't be worth the money. But, you know, spend some money on marketing materials, have a great website, you know, yeah. uh, go into production, try a limited production of it and, uh, you know, just have fun with it. So um, it's true, you can't stop people, but to actually enforce your patent, you need to go to court and you have ah, to get yes. lawyers involved for that. Oh, <laughs> so, yes. The fun lawyers that cost yeah, lots and lots of money. It's certainly <laughs> not cheap. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's fascinating. So. The next thing I have here, the, now the COVID-19 pandemic has really changed the world as you know it, as I know it, as, as, as we all know it. Now, how has that changed how you work and how has it changed your work in general? Well, I remember the day they said, everybody go home. And um, we were not a fully paperless office, believe it or not. We still had papers and files oh, yeah. for the most part we mm. were you know running electronically so um, now we've been dragged kicking and screaming into complete paperlessness and uh, very secure home connections right because yep. uh, patents have to be held in secret oh, until course, they're yeah. published by government so we have to make sure that all of our pipes are completely secure and um, and in fact it's kind of an isolating uh, uh, profession you know so all these 20 some odd years I've been working alone in my office and um, the social contact that you find colleagues and you go for coffee or you wander over to somebody's desk and say, oh, I've got this little issue. What do you think of X, you know, or, or people come by my office because I'm the oldster in the office now and say, oh, I've got this crazy situation. What do I do about it? And, and we commiserate and, and, you know, talk about our kids and vacation plans, right? So <laughs> that kind of, that office life really was um, 
oh, it sounds super corny. It was really nourishing, I guess. That's uh, <laughs> the word I would use. And now it's absent. Um, yeah. We do try little things to get people together and to keep everybody in touch with each other. But, you know, the Zoom call is not going to be a real replacement for going for coffee. Not really. No, I mean, as, as like, I, I wish I, I, I can kind of show you just, just going to move my webcam here, but like, just like, this is uh, how I have it set up. So like you are literally yes. right in front of me. I have my own screen. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's like you're sitting right here. Oh, which is nice. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's it's not the same. You know, I would love to have people in studio, which I mean, I, I can now with restrictions yeah. starting to lift. Um, I actually ha- I have somebody coming in in a couple of days to actually sit in studio. Oh, my. I am so excited. I'm so excited. Um, uh. But yeah, I, I, I get that, you know, that, you know, let's that that, that, that camaraderie, that office companionship, mm-hmm. that that classic, quote unquote, water cooler chit chat you know gossip you know all that stuff you miss that you miss that camaraderie. Yes. you know how it that random you know what how about we all just go out for a drink tonight after work oh that sounds like a great idea yes you know, yeah you can't do that anymore and and that's how it was with colleagues now you know as to my inventors mm-hmm. very few of them are in ottawa anyway which is where my office is so With inventors, we have always generally had telephone conversations, except if I go and visit them or if they're in town and they'll come and visit me. And and some of them, uh, you know, go out for supper, go out for coffee and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We even meet at the same conferences, but um, for the most part, it's the colleagues that you see every day. So that has been difficult. But, you know, we never did video conferencing before with inventors. We knew that we had capacity, but we'd have to go into boardrooms and we'd have like this distant kind of view of the end of the boardroom over here. And it just didn't seem right. But now with inventors, Zoom has made it so that we actually speak with each other. We use some other uh, programs instead, but, you know, it makes it actually kind of like you're spending a bit more time with your inventors than you did when you just spoke with them on the phone. Oh, absolutely. So I, I think that's one uh, major bonus, you know. Yeah, kind of nice that way. Oh, yeah. We thought for sure that the inventors would stop inventing. And to our great surprise, um, they didn't stop inventing. And many people just had a little more time on their hands to sit down and write up their inventions for us and give us a call. So um, we didn't have the same slowdown that a lot of industries did, which I feel, you know, a lot of gratitude for that because we're just chugging along. Same old, same old. (laughs) That's awesome. Like if, so for you almost in a way, it's almost like the pandemic didn't like business wise, the pandemic didn't affect you. And in fact, your your business, the, the business grew a little bit. You had more, clientele than you normally would it seems so and maybe other companies other patent agents had a slightly different experience and i know that even some of my colleagues that are in the high-tech sector so my area i should uh, specify is life sciences which is kind of a catch-all for uh drug related things medical device related things a lot of cannabis related things and boy (laughs) yeah yeah there's lots and lots of inventions in that space and uh, but others of my colleagues, they trained in electronics, for example. 
Okay. And so their inventors are in wireless communications. Mm, yes. So you know, some of the big companies. And I think maybe patenting has slowed a little bit more in the tech sector for reasons that I'm not too sure about. That's interesting. <laughs> I find that fascinating. Yeah, I, it also could just be a local effect. I'm only really looking at my uh, 20 or so colleagues that work in this field. So okay, so are you really predominantly? Temple, sorry, are you are you predominantly the Ottawa area then? Um, well, our our patent agents are spread out a little bit across the country, but the bulk of us are in Ottawa. Okay, and the reason for that is because the patent office, the government patent office, is in Ottawa. So when I first joined the profession, there was no internet, Eric. Oh, <laughs> if, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. So if you had to argue with an examiner, you had to bring your paper mail across oh. the river to uh, Hull, now yep. Gatineau, and deliver it that same day to meet your deadline to the office. And if you were going to meet an examiner, you had to walk over in person or take a cab. Um, a lot has changed and um, we oh, don't yes. need to just be in <laughs> Ottawa anymore. But again, it's back to that apprenticeship issue mm. that uh, patent agents, only patent agents can train patent agents. So yes. if you're trained somewhere where you live, mm -hmm. um, you're going to look for trainees who live in the same city as you. So it's sort of, it uh, perpetuated yeah. that way. But now we've got more patent agents across the country. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that other people across the country can have their uh, inventions uh, accessed a little more easier, let's say. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So right now we're just going to take a quick break. Uh, and just have a word from our sponsors. Are you a small business owner? Having a hard time marketing your product during these difficult times? Not to worry. With Cardinal Images' affordable pricing and superior quality, you will be able to show off your products better than ever before. If you're a listener of this podcast, you get not only your demo images, but also your first set free. To get this amazing deal, email eric at cardinalimages.ca with the subject line podcast promo to claim your free shoot. Cardinal Images, superior quality, affordable pricing, and personable photography. And welcome back to Weird Careers. I'm here with Kathleen Marsman, a patent agent. So uh, welcome back. Thank you. So part two of my COVID-19 question that I started before the break there was, uh, have you seen a change in types of inventions since the pandemic began? Well, you would think that there'd be more COVID-related inventions, wouldn't yeah. you? And it's curious, even our patent office, the government side of things, is trying to usher the COVID-related technologies through rather quickly. Mm -hmm. But um, we haven't seen too much, like a couple of mask technologies, like mask infiltration technologies. We've seen okay. rapid tests. There's a mm -hmm. bit of rapid test stuff that I've seen as well. Um, but for the most part, you know, you hear about the mRNA vaccine. That technology has been in the pipes for about 10 years. Oh, wow. So as soon as they sequence the part of the, the virus, you know, the spike protein, the, mm -hmm. the little spikes that you see coming off of the uh the COVID-19 structure, yeah. um, as soon as they sequenced those and they knew what they wanted to have an antibody for, mm -hmm. uh, they could um, sequence the mRNA and, and go from there. So, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, the, the vaccines were just recently invented. You know, it's like, no, that technology has been around for a long, long time. Wow. I mean, years not in use yet. So that's well, why these course, are the yeah. first two mRNA vaccines that have been approved. Wow. But um, 
Yeah, yeah. Go, but the standard vaccine technology. Please. Years. <laughs> anti-vaxxers, get your COVID-19 vaccine, please. This has I been know. a message from every person with a brain. And and certainly, you know, as a <laughs> as a parent, you know, when it comes around to getting the kids vaccinated, oh yes, we march those little creatures in for the you know DPTP. That's what uh, diphtheria, polio, pertussis, mm -hmm. is whooping cough. Um, we march them in for tetanus when they scrape their knee. We bring them in for uh, HPV when they're in grade eight. You know, we exactly. do all this stuff. They couldn't even go to school if they didn't have those, you know, tuberculosis. It's exactly. pretty much eradicated. Smallpox, gone. But, um, you know, new things come with hesitation. I hope that everyone who's hesitating now will just sort of look back and think of all the vaccines they've already given their kids. <laughs> oh, exactly, right. Similar like, technology, Do, you, do really. your research, people. Like, 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 we just have it right here. Kathleen said, you know, it's been around for about 10 years. The technology has been there, just not in use. So the technology yeah, and it's, is there. So it's been developed, yeah, over a long period of time. And I love the fact that it's it's just a bit more elegant, right? Mm. You give the mRNA that you were going to make yourself. So it kind of stops the, the body from having to make its own message, messenger. Wow. And uh, it gives us the messenger that we would have made when we had the immune response to a standard vaccine. And it just kind of skips that step. It's it's, it's a really wow. elegant uh, solution. So it sounds like a leap forward in technology to me. I think so too. And I know that people are looking this, at this technology for HIV, for example, the greatest conundrum wow. of, of viruses of our time, right? Because it really has evaded all the standard technologies. So we might be standing on the precipice of something really exciting here. Wow, I, I, that, that's something I, I really can't wait to see unfold. Now, yeah, now, just off, yeah. now, just off the break, we were, uh, you had mentioned that there, you had inventions that had come across your desk that were near and dear to you. And tell us a little bit about that. Oh, well, yes, I was talking about my daughter, who's now 17, and she was diagnosed at age 16 with type 1 diabetes. Okay. So when you have type 1 diabetes, you don't make your own insulin anymore. And so a lot of people know about diabetes with uh, type 2, which is the type that you get when you're a bit older, generally a bit older, mm -hmm. and um, maybe from a, a lifetime of wear and tear on your body. Mm -hmm. um, that your insulin is not as effective anymore. Okay. So there's certain medications you can take for that. And they say, well, lose weight and work out a little bit more and increase your heart rate more. And then people with type two diabetes can actually bring down the amount of insulin they need and they can improve and get better. But unfortunately with type one, um, Ella's pancreas is just going to stop making insulin full stop. So um, there's new technologies though, Eric, that have been just a, a godsend to, to diabetics and not all of them are covered by government insurance which we're certainly advocating for oh absolutely um, certain canadian provinces do cover these medical devices so some of them are continuous Ooh. glucose monitoring mm -hmm. and um we have a, a great product it's i'll even put in a little plug it's called dexcom so okay. dexcom is this company that um you um have like a monitor that's just a little tiny, tiny wire that you put uh, under the skin. You replace it every 10 days or so. So it's like having a thick band-aid on your, you know, your stomach usually or the back of your arm or something like that. And it transmits to your cell phone what your blood sugar is every five minutes. 
every five minutes. I know, right? So you get this data, you get this little chart with little dots going up and, and people with type one diabetic kids used to worry, like if my kid sort of eats and doesn't tell me, especially the young ones, um, the kid's blood sugar could go way up and the parent wouldn't necessarily know. And, you know, if you gave too much insulin and then at night the kid had a low, you could really run into to difficulties. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Out, right. And so it's like, you know, terrifying. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also terrifying for the individual. Who has of course. Yeah. But these, uh, these monitors really have helped people understand their blood sugar mm-hmm. and even understand like what foods make your blood sugar ripple up uh, quickly and you know that sort of thing usually you're counting carbohydrates you know that's the the classic way to determine how much insulin you need but Mm -hmm. um, if you've got this little monitor you're just a little bit safer so we've got this uh, really neat technology and there's also uh, insulin pumps so that you don't have to inject yourself all the time and there's what? competing technologies in this. Yeah, yeah. And it, it makes it sound like you're like a bit of a cyborg, you know, <laughs> and to some extent you are, but it's it's in a good way. And some of the newer pumps, like it used to be sort of like a little thing that would, um, you know, a bit of a waist belt, you know, and there'd be like some tubing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's new pumps that come as a little patch with a certain amount of insulin in it. They communicate with Bluetooth to your phone, to your Dexcom, they know what your blood sugar is. You can control them with your phone as well. But uh, that little patch gives you the insulin you need at the time. And then after day three, <laughs> you just take it off and put another one on. Wow. And I know, right? Like there's there's amazing solutions out there for um, people these days. So, Oh, wow. Um, that's phenomenal. Whenever I get an invention relating to diabetes, I'm uh, particularly astute. <laughs> on oh, of my, course. Yeah. My work. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's neat. You never know, like with stem cell research, that's my great hope is that they'll be able to uh, develop technologies. And these are patentable technologies where you Mm -hmm. would take stem cells and coax them into being islet cells. And then uh, hopefully those would be transplantable. And there were a few technologies, I think out of London, Ontario, there was somebody who was developing something um, where those... um, islet cells would be delivered to an individual in a little bag, almost like something that would be inside the body and potentially replaceable. And, and okay. uh, but a lot of these technologies that, that takes years and years to develop, but oh, for sure. the first step is to get a patent, I suppose, so that you can keep <laughs> competition at bay. Well, of course. So yeah. with all of the, you said you've been doing this since, was it 99? That's when I got registered as a patent agent. Yeah, I, I fell into the business in '95. So '95. Oh, so you've been doing really this. Dating myself. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna try to do the math here. I was never good at math. You can ask my uh, my grade uh, eleven math teacher, Mrs. Pankhurst, uh, if she ever listens to this podcast, which I highly doubt she ever will. Uh, but she can attest to that that my math skills are not so great. But in in those years since 1995, you must have come across a lot of different types of inventions uh, what are your top three that have come across your desk oh well i've got to give you top three in two categories because please do please do the the main category that is my technology my field of technology is you know the life sciences yep. so these are the serious inventions medical devices and therapies and that sort of thing so i i've got to say bar none the stem cell inventions are at the very top of the heap coaxing stem cells to become stuff like to become cardiomyocytes, to become 
heart cells and then to incorporate that into um, therapeutics where people who are having you know coronary issues can have tissue replaced with um, what used to be like a stem cell a cheek cell so it could be (laughs) a a real game changer yeah and some of these also relate to cartilage you know if you Mm -hmm. have um, cartilage that's failing in your old knees or something like that you can do a self-transplant if your cartilage um, cells come from stem cells of your own that have been coaxed in that direction. Oh, so damn. it's, yeah, it's just amazing. And hats off to these inventors. Gosh, I never could have thought of that. So hold, hold up a second. So I have a bad knee. It, it cracks <laughs> almost every time I decide to stand up. So oh. you're, you're saying to me that if the issue is cartilage, like degraded cartilage, that I can get it essentially transplanted from somewhere else into my knee. Well, you hold on for that, Eric. It's not on the market yet. I'm holding, I'm holding. (laughs) (laughs) Just because there's patents filed. In fact, um, part of the steps along the way when you discover something really cool, like a method to coax a cell to become something else, you file your patent agent or you go to your patent agent, you file your patent application pretty Mm -hmm. quickly. Um, But it's usually closer to the end of those 20 years that your therapeutic actually becomes a real thing. So it's ready for the market. So a lot of these things are not market ready. And some of them, they have the patents and the investors come and invest. And then they, you know, develop the technology further and further. And it might even be 25 years from now, the original patent served its purpose, got the inventors Mm -hmm. interested and, and sort of kept, you know, competitors at bay or, or something along those lines. But the the technology stands on the shoulders of what has come before. So we're not quite ready for the cartilage replacement <laughs> yet, but well, I'm I think gonna, it's I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to put my name to be in line for that as long yeah, as my knees don't give yeah. out before then. Yeah. Oh, and you know, my second favorite one in that field is yes. anti-cancer vaccines. Oh, please, please. This sounds amazing. Anti-cancer vaccines. Yeah, it really is. And you realize that we can target cancer cells. We can find... Um, you know, if you can detect a certain cancer Mm. and then you make an antibody to that cancer cell, and then you can target a therapeutic, like binding the therapeutic to the antibody. And and then it's targeted delivery. I mean, this is just amazing technology. And there are definitely some uh, anti-cancer therapies that are on the market now. They call them biologics uh, Mm -hmm. because they're not like the small molecules that we think of. Like you might hear of, I don't know, um, uh, paclitaxel or taxols that are used in chemotherapy. That's a okay. well-known um, molecule and it's it's quite a small little structure. So it's not like a big biological structure, okay. but the, um, the anti-cancer therapeutics that are antibody-based um, they're, and, and vaccine-based, they're, you know, a, a bigger and, and just impressive in so many ways. <laughs> no kidding. So, so would you be able really to take exciting. that and then the mRNA and essentially like put those together? You could. You definitely right. could. So scientists out there, um, <laughs> get on that because that, if that's not a thing already, it should be. You know, Eric, <laughs> this is exactly so. And, and sad to say that, um, you know, funding for research in Canada is kind of, 
uh, shrunk com- compared to like the economy itself. Mm-hmm. But I really hope that our researchers can get the grants they need to do this kind of research because be it wonderful. has to come out of the hospitals and the universities. You know, there's not a lot of companies in Canada that are doing the work independently. There are some very notable ones that um, often are like spin outs and startups from the institutions. But um, without government funding to sort of seed the whole idea and concept, there's just going to be a lot less of these really innovative technologies. So let's let's hope we get those grants going. Yeah, those are two really exciting ones. But I guess if I look into, you know, what kind of interesting inventions have come across my desk, Mm -hmm. there's dog leashes. So we've had hockey bags and dog leashes. And so a very notable dog leash that Mm I... um, Uh, sort of had a chance to uh, work with someone on was a dog leash that had like openable ends that you could store things in. And then of course the leash itself retracts into this, this item. And the shape of the item was like a barbell. So you see people out walking, maybe they're exercising. And Mm -hmm. and so it looks like there's a bit of a barbell in your hand, you know, that you're walking along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of strength building exercises but it really is hiding dog poo uh, <laughs> dog, uh, dog poo bags <laughs> i love that that's great it was it was really really a fun invention that one and uh oh yeah the hockey bag the hockey yeah. bag was one of my earliest inventions and this wonderful hockey family from northern ontario made the trip into ottawa with their prototype which was essentially a garment bag of sorts but it had all the great compartments for um, airing out stinky hockey equipment okay. and then the way it would hang up was you know you you after you you know take off all your gear you put it into the little compartments and then you get home and you just explode it into your basement but nothing flies out because everything's in its compartment and then you could you know air it out in a kind of a way that it's ready to fold up again when you have to go play hockey on a moment's notice so that oh, was a really neato. fun one. yeah yeah yeah, those those little inventions, you know, they really keep you going. So I don't, I certainly don't need to uh, always have, you know, sort of a high end science invention to stay interested in. This. Oh no, that dog leash sounds like something I would love to have. <laughs> I could just make yeah, it, it look like invention. I'm working out when in reality, <laughs> I I'm not, and that's that's a great visual. I love that. <laughs> and there's a certain amount of weight to the dog poo. If you have to use the poo bag and then you've got nowhere to throw out the poo bag and you've got some poo in it, you could put it into the other end of the, oh, <laughs> the leash that. compartment. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, just don't leave it in there for too long. <laughs> Appreciate that. Oh, but another category, of course, is yes. the, the cannabis category. And, and I, I've really, Ooh. really enjoyed working with a lot of inventors in these fields. They... They come at it from such different angles. You know, there were some inventors that were some of the earliest people to grow medicinal marijuana and to obtain a license for Canada. They were okay. at one point the only ones licensed in, in Canada to sell medicinal products. And it was because they were growing it in mm-hmm. underground mines. So ah. mines in Saskatchewan, which was sort of a, an isolated environment. So they, you know, okay. wouldn't have a lot of public access and that sort of thing so it was a grow up in an abandoned mine (laughs) (laughs) so that was really fun to work with uh with these inventors and and of course that was you know back in the day right Mm -hmm. back in the 90s so um things have changed and now people are um not even growing the plant anymore to access the cannabinoids so you know the THC that sort of thing you can grow it in another type of system that is mm. not cannabis per se. 
So really? you, can grow it, you can grow it in bugs. Yeah, bacteria. Oh, oh my god. Microbes. Yeast. You can grow it in a in a bug. <laughs> and so then I, can I get around that four plant rule then? <laughs> what is that? What is the four plant rule? Well, here here in uh in in Ontario as uh as the, the province we both reside in, um you can ha- grow up to four cannabis plants. So if oh, I have four, four plants, if I have four plants and let's say seven bugs, <laughs> I'm not really breaking any laws per se, really. <laughs> Absolutely. Set up your home lab, do a little breaking bad in the basement. And if you get busted, you've just got a lot of Petri dishes and glass <laughs> and you know, there's absolutely no cannabis in your house if all you have is some bugs that make cannabinoids. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, like, but, you've you've come across like so many because a lot a lot of listeners don't know that I I've been working in the cannabis industry for a while. I uh, started in the cannabis industry first as a medical user um, in 2015, 2016. I started as a medical user, uh, and then I in 2019, I moved into the growing industry, worked for NLP, and now I work at a dispensary. So literally, I've come like full circle. And so the cannabis industry, I, I hold near and dear to my heart. So these inventions that I, I can't wait to hear a little bit more of um, are really... I. I I'm fascinated. It's very exciting for me. Well, you know, the uh, caveat that comes along with the one, uh, the cannabinoids grown in bugs is do not try this at home. Oh, darn. <laughs> I know. It's not like brewing your own beer. It's quite, quite a bit different. And there's sort of an elaborate scheme of um, uh, laboratory requirements and all of the manufacturing processes are a real real heavy weight <laughs> on these these clients but it's uh, it's definitely an industry that is going to be um looking up because i mm-hmm. think in order to um maybe take the wild card out of certain plants you know they have to be analyzed they might have certain minor cannabinoids in them and mm-hmm. some people say i just want it to be extremely medicinal um you know having a, a set ratio and not worrying about the plant component of it mm-hmm. um then they have to sell these products as isolates and okay. so if you really need to get some CBD isolate, um, you can do it in a couple of ways, right? You can crunch up a plant and distill it and kind of just keep isolating, isolating, you know, keep mm-hmm. washing it and changing it and going into an oil, going into a water, you know, even yeah. um, do chromatography afterwards to get it like 99% pure. Mm-hmm. Or you can just get a bug that only makes that. <laughs> so, oh, I like, I like, I like the bug idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. It's really um, gonna. I I think it's going to have a, a big future in the pharmaceutical industry. Well, the, I would only say just don't make it look creepy, like a spider or uh, a, a scorpion <laughs> of sorts. Um, make it look a little bit friendlier, you know, like a little bumblebee, a bumblebee that's kind of squishy. So it's still alive after oh, you squish it, but you know something like that. <laughs> Eric, all the bugs are microbes. <laughs> don't you so, worry. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, I, I don't want. I really don't want like a, a tarantula coming up my arm and like, I'm about to give you your CBD. <laughs> I certainly shouldn't use that colloquially. I should say they are not insects. They are all microbes. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> and typically, it's yeast and bacteria. These sorts of things. 
Oh, whew, that's a really something you want to keep in your basement. <laughs> no, no, not not so much. <laughs> yeah, but in the other field, like sort of the downstream uses of mm-hmm. cannabis and cannabinoids is in the food and beverage industry. So there oh, are yes. some uh, beverages that have found new ways to incorporate uh, plant components. Mm-hmm. And I've had the privilege of working with some clients in this field as well. So I hope that we'll see some of my beers. I call them my beers, but they're uh-huh. certainly not invented by me, but I feel close to those clients. I hope that we'll see some of them on the market soon. Uh, now, will those be medicinal or recreational? Purely recreational. Well, yeah, then I can nothing. most certainly let you know if they come <laughs> into our store. <laughs> good, good. You know, there's also regulatory hurdles for my clients as well. So oh, yeah, when bet. you ha- when you get a patent, that doesn't mean that the government has condoned you making and selling this thing. It just mm. gives you the right to stop other people. So ah, that's the gotcha. difference there. You have the right to be the only one in Canada, you know, if you can stop other people from doing it, but you still have to jump through these regulatory hoops to actually go onto the market. And that's never been more clear than in the cannabis industry or the pharmaceutical industry where you've got all this regulatory approval stuff, mm-hmm. right? Well, surprise, surprise, so surprise. There's those barriers. <laughs> Typically they get their patents first and then all of the regulatory stuff comes, you know, years later, which is... Mm-hmm. Um, must be frustrating, I think, sometimes for my inventors to just not be able to jump onto the market straight away. But oh, so many of them are so yeah. persistent. I really do admire them, you know. But, oh, for uh, sure. I mean, I'm their sous chef. That's uh, my role. <laughs> one thing I've noticed about people in the cannabis industry is their passion. And I'm sure uh, you've come across that as well in, in your field as you see the passion in the people who in these cannabis industries. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> now, is there, um, have you had some really weird and maybe not so great inventions come across your desk? Well, you know, those ones sometimes you, you, uh, Yes and no. <laughs> and and so sometimes you get a cold call. We call them cold calls in my business. And uh if, if somebody cold calls you and says, oh, I've got this great invention, you know, perpetual motion machines are the mm-hmm. classic uh, invention. We have another one that was like a box of rocks and the <laughs> fellow felt that it was a therapeutic box of rocks. And so you just don't want to take these people's money. You know? So for the most part, you take a call with them mm-hmm. and you say, oh, that's really interesting. Maybe you want to spend your finances on, on you know, marketing strategies and, and that sort of thing. So we, we do listen and, and give some, some good advice that way. But I would feel terrible um, taking on a client with the, an invention that I didn't think could ever be patented or <laughs> wouldn't have a, a future in, in this big, bad world. So, no, I, we get a kick out of those uh, cold calls. They have books of rock. What can you do with this? (laughs) (laughs) It was a therapeutic box of rocks and it was a sealed box. So that was the the concept behind it. It's a mystery box box. of rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very nice. Uh, Another off-air tangent that we we had, um, and and feel free to uh, kibosh this and we can move on, is most of your education and talks you've done are mostly people 17 and under. So well. now, now we have the, now you for the first time have the opportunity. You have an 18 plus audience here, Kathleen. Do you have any inventions that have come across your desk that you previously couldn't share with your audiences before? 
Oh, well, you know, there have been a few things. I would not call any of them illicit. They all have an industry in Canada, but there's, um, you know, all of the drugs for erectile dysfunction, right? Yes, That's yes. a big thing. And every time we've got a new one coming in and a new purpose for it, you know, something for men, something for women. We, <laughs> we, you know, it's always enjoyable to work on these inventions. And, and those are typically done with research scientists who are okay. actually thinking, you know, that this isn't, you know, they, they don't see their patent agent snickering behind the scenes. <laughs> but it's always going to be kind of fun to describe the effects. You know, we have to write i have to write a 40 page essay about this right so i have to uh, talk about what the effects are and how it can be used and you know that sort of thing so uh, those those are always kind of fun um but uh yeah early on in my career actually there was some uh sort of fun silly kind of uh body jewelry inventions that were okay. not for the ear let's just say <laughs> ah, ah yes <laughs> <laughs> and uh they were probably a little bit better as industrial designs because it was the design and the shape that prevailed in the end but um <laughs> there was something inventive about those ones in the end so we did end up getting uh, <laughs> a couple of patents for that Fantastic. But, you know, for the most part, it's just as pure as the driven snow. All of these inventions are, believe you me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. We're, we're getting close to the end here. I've got three staple questions that I ask everybody that comes onto the show here. And this is one that we try to wrap up in about two minutes. So let's start that clock. Um, what's the best part of your job? Oh, I've got to say the people. I know it's so tacky but patent agents love to talk and we uh love words so playing with words say. with my colleagues <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right if there was anything you had to change about being a patent agent what would it be and why oh i definitely spend more time with inventors i would teleport myself to their labs all the time because i i do find that their jobs are more interesting than mine and so i would like to see more of them so what you need to do then is you need to get in touch with somebody who's trying to design a teleporter and work with them. And then there you go. You know, easy peasy, lemon breezy. Well, I need to get on a plane and get to every province in Canada. I'm sure I've got an inventor in every province I can go and visit. Perfect. And then you can just collaborate everybody in one room and away we go. Last exactly. question. Here we go. Do you have any advice for people who are waiting or I'm going to try that again. <laughs> Do you have any advice for people who are wanting to get into the industry? Yes. You know, I'm asked that a lot and I'd say finish your first degree. So finish your undergrad and in a field that you love and then find some patent agents, even if it's on the internet and read what they've written, go on those free websites and Google your favorite inventions, get to know a bit about, uh, you know, the different rules worldwide. There's so much free information right now for people who are interested. And then keep an eye out for those positions because a trainee position is a little hard to find, but uh, work their way in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kathleen. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today thank you eric thanks for tuning in if you enjoyed the show please give us a review and don't forget to subscribe so you'd never miss a weird career tune in next time when we will have chelsea lauren in studio talking about taking care of the previously sliced what does that mean well you'll have to tune in next week until then i'm your host tt thanks for listening cheers <laughs>